morning. It's 970 WAMD Aberdeen, and this is the Harford Edge, keeping you on the cutting edge of what's new in Harford County and beyond. I'm co-host Leslie Greenlee-Smith with the Harford County Public Library, and I'm here with Bob Mumby. The Harford Edge is brought to you each week by your Harford County Public Library. Library. See, already. See, I thought you were going to have trouble with corn rumps. I know, I know, <laughs> but I've been practicing that, but I haven't been practicing library. Work on that one and school the library. Or as some people yeah. say, library. <laughs> I know, we're February. Yes. Well, today we'll be speaking with Rod Cornrum, Regional Executive Director for Behavioral Health for University of Maryland Upper Chesapeake Health, and Sarah Klein, Director of Front office operations and front end front end PA operations relations. she does it all at Klein ShopRite <laughs> and she can say library so she can library. say library 10 times fast yeah. <laughs> well hey, good morning CPL. bob welcome folks good morning thank you and what's this about your nails okay so for the holidays i'm going to get a dark blue glitter nail sarah and i were talking so about nails i only got hunter green because i've been wanting hunter green and i went to a place and they had the hunter green I it's really really get it for pretty christmas, i love it i wanted hunter green so. yeah it's good bob what about your nails Rod, i'm gonna, your nails? I'm I'm gonna bite different. them in serrated christmas <laughs> tree edges <laughs> kind of looks like a swag yes okay we first do something and you're welcome to chime in we used to call it the courtesy minute, but now we do some things that that not only annoy us, but, but maybe we really like. But we're just knowing that we're not perfect, but people sometimes aren't cognizant of what mm -hmm. their behavior, the effect their behavior may have on people. You think he's talking about us? I think so. Uh, no. no. Okay, okay. It's Bob's Here, uh, Here's an example. Here's an example. <laughs> People who eat candy behind you in a movie theater, they're not thinking about it. And I'm going to do this one again because it happened. We went again, and it happened. The milk dud thing. Someone gets a box of milk duds. Stuck in their teeth. Well, that is one thing, and they don't get it out of their teeth while their mouth is closed. But they get to the bottom. And there's invariably two milk duds that have softened and then re-welded themselves to the bottom of the box. Happens with dots. Happens, even happens with snow caps. Um, so I love that you're naming candies. Folks, the, the proper method, not to bang it on your thigh four inches from my ear for three minutes. So now the real question is, what movie were you seeing? Because if it was Mr. Rogers, now you got to be careful how you respond to this. Well, no, no. It was, well, that's a good point. Well, this was, um, it was Star is Born. I was trying to look at okay. Lady Gaga's okay. thing. Okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> Didn't want to be interrupted. Yikes. <laughs> they were ruining your mood. <laughs> and that Bradley Page, what's his name? He's a dreamboat. Cooper, too. yeah. Cooper, he um, yeah, a dreamboat. Um, Rappers, too. Rappers on candy. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Bob has the solution. How do you? How do oh, you? Do, how would you fix that, Sarah or Rod? If you had the two milk duds fused to the bottom of the box, you would you pound it? I mean, if I was in the movies, no, probably not. Just because she'd right. around me if I was in my car, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I but, gotta say, at this point, if I was behind you, I might actually rip the box. <laughs> yeah. Very slowly. Well, you're you're like the. I do that too, and then I think people get more annoyed than doing it really slow. Oh yeah, because it's never over. Right, it's like right, rip. right, right, right. Oh, thank so God. You're so to rip, candy yeah. crinkle, yeah. rip, crinkle. You open no, the that... bottom, and yeah. take them out. Yeah. You know, it's very simple. Rational thought. 
That'll Twizzlers. Get, that'll get you far in life. Do you mm -hmm. rip one Twizzler off in the bag and then take it out? So that... No, the last time I ate a Twizzler. I don't okay. Remember. Okay. Well, anyway. Supermarkets. Uh-oh. I've been saving these up. He has Saving these up. Okay. I'm ready. But it's not about supermarkets. But it's about people who go down the aisle with their cart. They don't hug the left or the right. They go a quarter of a mile an hour. They're on the phone. You can't get by them. Or someone is stopped looking at the spices, and you know they're going to be there for another 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. This person stops parallel to them. You're trapped. Right. Do you guys, do you guys do anything about that? Or do um, you just realize... Our supermarket police that patrol the, the aisles, doesn't, they do not. Okay. I mean, we try, but people don't. It's really something, isn't really it? They don't care. I mean, like, they're in their world, and they don't realize mm -hmm. it. Like, I get, when I, even when you try to walk down an aisle, and you, like, are just walking to go help another customer, people are looking at you like, okay. And I'm like, I can't get through. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm trying to help somebody. Mm -hmm. Or people that come whipping out of the aisle. Oh, the turning the corners. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Like, you always want to go a little slow. <laughs> yes. And some people, when they're coming across, they'll just fly. And you're like, yes. Yeah. Right. And are there accidents in the grocery store? I mean, store? there are. I bet there people are. People run into stuff all the time. Yeah. Oh, and heels must get, get injured. People's heels. Um, I've injured some people's yeah, heels. Sometimes. A few times on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Not a client. I mean, then it's it. an accident report, so we don't really know that right, happen. Right, right, right. We try, but people run into stuff all the time. Yeah, displays, displays and... each other. Yeah, it's real. It's, and I don't know. Sometimes, like someone driving in the left lane slowly, I think is more passive aggressiveness than. You give them intent. Uh, yeah. Or it could be my dad. He drives over there slow. It just okay. Is what he does. But I think okay. I think I, I, <laughs> grocery stores are a microcosm of highways. Yeah, because yeah. mm -hmm. you know there were 20 years ago, 25 years ago, people were civil in the grocery stores. They were in the correct lane. They said, "Excuse me," um, much like in cars. They dressed up to shop. That's true. They didn't That's come true. in in their pajamas. But not anymore. Which I see all the time, and I go, "Oh, that baby's diaper's been on since <laughs> eight o'clock last night. It's like hanging. It's horrible." <laughs> Say something positive. What do you have? To I am positive today? that some woman complained about Kleins is crazy on Facebook. You might remember this. Which one? Now, my son was allergic to everything. So I am... Oh, was this the peanut allergy Yes. Lady? Do you know her son is like... 18. Yeah. It's I like researched 19 it. or something. Yeah, it wasn't like... He, <laughs> I thought it was a kid. And I was like trying to respond. And, and someone's like... he's And my friend was actually at the pool. Her daughter worked there. Oh. And saw this all happen. Well, I'm on a lot of the community associations because I'm a commercial real estate. Mm -hmm. I... You know, I used to be the president of my HOA, so their Facebook pages, I, I'm on them because you learn a lot about sure. things going on. So I saw this woman posted, like this, it was pretty blistering about Kleins. Yeah. My son, there was a mislabeled pack of cookies, which I don't even know if they were mislabeled. So, the real story of it was that, like, they were cleaning up and somebody put all the cookies in a package together. Oh, okay. That's what my friend's daughter told her mom. Because oh. her daughter, they all worked at the pool. Together. Oh, at the house that no, was. No, it done. was at the pool. It was at a pool. So somebody was having a party. At so a pool. it was like an end of the year swim okay. party, and they and bought. They had cookies. all these different cookies, and my friend's daughter said they were cleaning up, and, and they, they put all them. the cookies together. So she said she doesn't know if it was like different or not. Gotcha. 
And that happens. Well, yes. the woman's post was, I think it's something disparaging of Klein's. My son ate a mislabeled cookie that had peanuts in it. And we rushed him to the emergency room and blah, blah, blah. Like just blistering, mm -hmm. railing Klein's. And most of the people said... I talked her on the phone. Cause oh, I well, I saw her. that you posted said, please oh, yeah. I message me. I kept trying to message her and then like, you know, on Facebook, if you're not friends with somebody, it goes in this like yeah. weird thing. And yeah. like, if you can't find it. So I kept having to try to find it. And then I messaged her. She messaged me, but like, and then I was like wanted to call her but I was trying to be like okay I need to be mm -hmm. just listen and I wouldn't make sure like I had time so I called her and um then she said it was just like this crazy thing and she went into the store and these cookies and I was like and then my friend's daughter worked there and she kind of was like you got this is story. really right and I'm like what and it's the just... kid was 18 right yeah oh, she and these also things said, she also said she didn't know if her son, her son said to her, I don't even know if I know what a peanut butter cookie looks like. Except <laughs> they had peanuts coming out of them. They, it was like they had Mr. Peanut with the monocle oh, and right. cane <clears throat> tattooed on them. These were Aborigine would come out of the the, the, the wood for the first time. And say that. Well, and he would so, say, peanut cookie. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. No, it was, it was crazy. But I mean... She said she went to the store with her other cookies, so, like, we had to do all this investigation. It's, like, hard to tell because mm -hmm. cookies sell, so we don't really... Right. But we do have it labeled that all of our stuff is baked in, in an area facility. that contains... Yeah, right. because all of... I mean, we don't have peanut-free. Right. And I think, unfortunately, when you have an allergy that that's serious, you just can't eat when you Yeah, like, I have a gluten you allergy. Yeah. I just know I can't yeah. eat certain things yeah. and cross-contamination. I just You bring just your own stuff, yeah. and it's a pain, and it's not right, but if you want to be healthy and safe... Like, even at the, the library on mm -hmm. Saturday, yeah. people were asking, you know, is yeah. this stuff nut-free? And we're like, well, it was mm -hmm. made, but we literally just made it and brought it, so it wasn't. But right. we just were saying, you know, there is a risk. Right. Because there's always a risk Absolutely. anywhere you go. Absolutely. And there's just, at some point... the there has to be some responsibility taken um, because it's going to make folks like you have to spend way more money than you already are on doing business, and we're going to pay for it. Um, I, Michael told me that you hire and that over a thousand people are hired every year and leave clients every year in eight stores. Nine stores. That's just amazing. We have a very big turnover. Your and training budget. Oh, we, that is our number one goal is to try to reduce mm -hmm. the turnover. But a lot of people look at us as just a interim job mm -hmm. to get to something else. Or a lot of the kids, you know, they right. go to school, right. which we don't right. really take that into account because right. we know that. Right, right. But, um, yeah, we have a ton of turnover and we can't find people to hire. Mm-hmm. We need well, if you anybody knows anybody needs a job, send them a shop right. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> we need we need a good amount of employees and with the holidays and you know, people want to work but they don't want to work a lot of hours or they have two another job and work the weekend. Oh people don't yeah, it's retail. Nights. They don't it want is. to work retail it nights. And it it's it's hard, but mm -hmm. I mean Well, I have to give I have to sing Klein's praises on yet another front. We have um Twelve women now living in our Charhope home, women with addictions in recovery, and several of them are employed yep. by Kleins. Um, and um, 
as Amber Shrews will tell you mm -hmm. in community services, we have a few employers that really step up for the second chance hiring opportunities, and Klein's is right at the front. Awesome. So, just fantastic. Okay, that wasn't so bad. No. We seem to be in unanimity. Yeah. Yes. So at, then it's true. Sorry. <laughs> four to nothing. That's what I say. Are you guys ready for some trivia? Well. Yes. Well. Sarah said she was very excited about the opportunity. Yeah. Sarah is sandbagging. You know, I was at, um, what's the Falling Branch one time, and they thought I was cheating on <gasps> trivia because it was like, 90s pop trivia and was oh. asking stuff about like say by the bell and all this stuff and i like knew all the answers and they were like are you guys cheating and i was uh, like no i just watched a lot of tv when Come i was on. a kid that's my era screech well it was interesting was it last week we had um bel-air downtown alliance yes a 24 year old and early 30s they didn't know any of the questions <laughs> they didn't they never heard of johnny, johnny carson, carson. It's just the generation, like you're saying, right. Saved by the Bell, that was your thing. So, like, that's what you would know. But I was like, wow, I felt really old after that show. Did you, Bob? Yes. <laughs> well, as old as I felt before. <laughs> old. <laughs> oh, all right, kittens, here we go. Indianapolis 500 winners traditionally celebrate by drinking what beverage? You added a case at the front of the stores for this. <clears throat> Grab and go. Well, it is beer. milk, but it's from Klein's. There you it's go. It's a special, it's a special oh, I didn't know milk. There you go. I thought beer. I was, I was on that, that train. <laughs> That's why you're not part of Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we don't do the I think thing. the National Dairy Council probably pays about $20 million a year. Sure, yeah. sure. Guzzling privilege. All right. By volume, what is the largest body of water in the United Kingdom? By volume. This is a hard one. Is it a river or a... There's a monster that lives there. Oh. oh. Dun, dun, dun. Loch Ness would be. Yes, there. yes. Huh. Here you go. Hmm. Oh. Hmm. I would have gone river, typically. Well, I don't know. I never yeah, checked well, uh, the trivia. Well, it's hard, river, but it's hard river, to weigh a river, too. Is a, <laughs> and is a river a body of water? Ah. Or is it a waterway? Okay. We get really deep. Next week, yeah. your trivia, we you, get you, really can, you can determine. Yeah. Really deep. All right. What fashion capital city is home to Dolce & Gabbana, Prada, and Versace? I know that. Do you know it? I want to say... Let's say stay with Paris, but I think it's not because I think it's in Italy. And is it? I correct. I can't correct. think of what it is. Pepperidge Farm. There. Pepperidge Farm cookies. Milana. Milana. Yes. <laughs> Good job. How do you know that, Bob? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Cindy told him. I know. I know. Because the Devil Wears Prada was in New York, wasn't it? Yes. Mm -hmm. That was about and she was, yeah. Anna Wintour. Tour. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's one of my favorite well, movies. I Jennifer um, Vito and Cindy did a fashion okay. hour okay. way back when, and I was the co-host and I would oh and you uh, remember they would ask me things he won't remember our names after the show but he'll know those people I right? knew what an LDD was yes you did do you do you Rod Rod's no. looking confused it's, it's, it's in every woman's wardrobe a little black dress ah, yep very good yep yep alright what semi semi aquatic egg laying mammal is native to Australia and Tasmania 
semi-aquatic egg-laying mammal native to Australia and Tasmania? We should know this. Where do you get these questions? Right here, Sarah, right here. Wow. Now, there's a website I go oh. to. What does it begin with? P, and ends with an S. Platypus. Yes. Well, I had that too. Yep. Man, you guys are good. I didn't know it was just uh, Australia. No, me neither. I, I, I thought it was another question. They're funny looking. And Tasmania. Yeah, Tasmania. Oh, well. I mean, Don't Tasmania. We all need to well, add to my next trip. I'm I know. booking it tonight. My first guess was devil, but that wasn't going to work well. <laughs> oh, the, the annoyed character <laughs> yeah, that always yeah, got yeah. annoyed at Bugs? bugs? Yeah. <laughs> all right, here's another geography question. In 1770, Ludwig van Beethoven was born in what German city? Stuttgart. It's not, is it Munich? No, it's not. What does it begin with? A B. Bonn? Yes. Used to be the capital. You guys. <laughs> I keep oh. telling Bob he needs to go on Jeopardy. He is really awesome yeah. at this, but he hates it when I say that. Well, no, because I would guess wrong and I'd end up with negative money. Well, did you watch last night? No. Okay, there was a guy from Baltimore on the show. And he only got $2,800. He guessed one category, and it was all fashion. It, it was all fashion. He was Calvert Hall graduate. Uh, and he just stood there between these two, like, brainy women who were just, like, going at it. Yeah, he wasn't even, like, clicking his thing. I felt bad for him. So uh, I think fun. he had fun. He came in second place because he had a dollar left he, at the final Jeopardy. All right, this is a question for you, Mr. Mumby. Big Man on Mulberry Street is a jazz-influenced song by which American singer-songwriter? Big Man on Mulberry Street is a jazz-influenced song by which American singer-songwriter? I did not know this. What He's era? He's from your neck of the woods. What era? Lots of wives. Frank Sinatra? Uh, piano. No, closer to our age. Closer Harry to Connick? Our age. No, he's not closer to your age. Well, closer than... <laughs> starts with a B. Last name starts with a J. By Jovi? No, you know. Billy Joel. Billy, Billy Joel. Oh. Yeah. I did bon not Jovi. know that one. I wish Bon Jovi. I, yep. I, it's a I, little I, easier on the eyes than Billy Joel. <laughs> you set me up for that one. You told me it was for me, and I, I know, blew it. I know, I know. All right, who is the only professional athlete in history to have been named an all-star in both baseball and football? Bo Sat Jackson. next to him on a plane. Bo Jackson or? Yep, Bo Jackson. Also a BJ. So yes. is it yeah. a theme now? Oh, my God. Oh, okay. look at that. <laughs> Not for the rest okay. of them. Okay, right. I was trying to jump ahead and see if we can. I, I would have guessed um, Dion Sanders. Dion Sanders. Mm -hmm. What Los Angeles landmark was named after a World War II general and inspired a Donna Summer disco hit? This was my prom theme oh. my senior year. Is this the one with someone left a cake out yes! in the rain? Yes! <laughs> Poor Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, you talking you about? You definitely don't know this. I definitely no. don't. I bet no. you've heard it you once. You should know it, though. And MacArthur Park. Yes, yeah. yes. Richard Harris, he, yep. he, he read it for all intents and purposes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and it but became look, a hit. if you ever listen to the work or like 
read the words. It's crazy. Yeah. It makes no sense. So on your way on your way out. Yes. Yes. Turn on and search for MacArthur Park, oh. and then you'll oh. you'll never listen to it again. Looks, looks like Bob's looking it up. We'll do it on going when we're going out to break. All right. So what is the only Canadian province without a natural border? The what? only Canadian province without a natural border. I don't know what natural border means. I guess natural. Huh. The mountains, water, starts with an S, ends with an N. Saskatchewan. Correct. I don't know yeah. what. I don't know what. Well, because like border Winnipeg borders the Dakotas, Quebec border borders like New York. Okay. So I'm thinking that's what they're thinking oh, of okay. in yeah. terms of border. Okay. And I just said that like I knew that, but geography. Can I tell you, you look really like you know what you're talking well, about. Well, you got to sell it. You got to sell it. You got to sell it. Maybe he needs to go on Jeopardy. Yes. yes. I have yes. a friend. I have actually a friend who has a photographic memory. Yeah. Play Trivial Pursuit with him, and you die like within three minutes. Wow. Because he just boom, 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 boom. And I've always said, mm -hmm. you want to do Jeopardy? He does that arrogant. It's too easy. So. I, um. Yeah, that should be the challenge. I remember right? a lot, but I forget everything from yesterday. Yeah. Like Joe and Ellen. And I remember your names. Mm -hmm. At least. Yeah. Mine's, li <laughs> Mine's library. Just uh, okay. Library. A library. Okay, and this is the last one, guys, for the win. In the 1960s Batman TV series, who played the role of the Penguin? I wasn't around then. No, I don't you know. were. You were not. Burgess Meredith. Yes, that's correct. That was my favorite show, Thursday Nights. Bravo. Yeah. Right. Just shows, it just Thursday. shows our age, right? Yikes. <laughs> He played the penguin. Yep. He also played in the Twilight Zone where his glasses broke at the end. But enough See of that. See what I'm saying? Okay, we oh, have one trivia question. And between the three of you, if you get five of these, you have hit it out of the park. All right. More trivia. Must also be trivia. Well, no, this you, okay. you'll know. Okay. Name the eight juices in V8. Tomato. Yes. Um, Carrot. Yep. Lemon. No. Lime? No. no it's v. It's not F. It's not F. Sometimes you have to have a citrus. Yes. You've got three. No, Beat. no F. Beet. Okay. Beet. Yes. Now the other four. If you get one of them, you win. Wow. What did we guess already? Celery, carrot, beet, and tomato. Broccoli. No. Good guess. Nope. Lettuce. Yes. Oh. I never knew there was a lettuce juice. Onion? No. What are the other ones? Spinach, watercress, and parsley. Spinach should have been. Gee, I gotta have some. That sounds really appealing. Yeah. With vodka, it's not bad, you know. You gotta choke it down. I'm not a Bloody Mary fan. I'd rather have mimosas in the morning. It's just too heavy. Really? My husband loves Bloody Marys. The spicier, the better. Okay. We'll skip the news because we have too much to get to. We do. So we'll take a little break. And when we come back, we'll be talking with Rod Kornrump, Regional Executive Director for Behavioral Health for University of Maryland Upper, che Upper Chesapeake Health, and Sarah Klein, Director of Front End Operations at Klein ShopRite. For a steal, it ran one step ahead as we followed in the dance. Gotham's heart is melting in the dark. 
public with hands-on training for area community members aged 6th grade and above. Through creative experiences in the Innovation Lab, you can develop new skills, resources, and products that will help to drive Hartford County's economy forward. The Innovation Lab's technology includes the MakerBot Replicator 5th Generation 3D Printer, 3D creation software including MakerBot and PrinterBot, professional green screen with studio light box, and both Apple and Windows computers. All to help create your electronic video, audio, publishing, and 3D design projects. For more information or to reserve the Innovation Lab for your special project, call 410-638-3990 or visit the Abington Library at 2510 South Tollgate Road. Welcome back. I'm co-host Leslie Greenlee-Smith with the Hartford County Public Library, and I'm here with Bob Mumby, and this is the Hartford Edge. We're delighted today to have Rod Cornrunk, Regional Executive Director for Behavioral Health for University of Maryland, Upper Chesapeake Health, and Sarah Klein, Director of Front End Operations at Klein ShopRite, in the studio with us at this very moment. So front end, is that like constant velocity joint and struts and... and no. the, the, the <laughs> no, it's like customer service, cashiers, the cart guys, girls. And, and as we talked about earlier in the show, you do an excellent job of that. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. On a number of fronts. So, and, and I, I think the young people that you guys hire are awesome. And so I do want to start with this. My experience has Sarah, been they're polite. And yeah, I, it's, it's, it's amazing. But let's, we're going to jump around. But Sarah, tell us how you learned grocery business the grocery business and the front end it's not something well, that is in, can be intuitive yeah. and you've been had to jump around a lot of roles how'd you learn it I learned it from waking up on snow days my dad would wake me up and take me to work and so I didn't really like snow days that much because that meant <laughs> I had to go to work but at that time the county didn't really have like food in house I guess for the um, snowplow drivers and it was all county employees at the time so they would like come to the store mm -hmm. they would like call our store manager and be like I need to come get food and my dad would go, come, go in our store manager and then one other person and me and we would my dad was back slicing lunch meat and stuff for oh all gosh. the firehouses and everything so that's how I kind of learned and then when I was legally able to work I started <laughs> working in the stores and that's what I always wanted to do so kind of just grew up in it that's great. That's great. But when did you know you had a, a talent for it? Because being an executive is not easy. And you have to, as hard as you work to learn it, you also have to have leadership skills and uh, a lot of good judgment and conceptual talent. Um, I have the, I just have the understanding of being a grocery store. So that was just natural. But the leadership part, I really worked a lot on. I had a business coach. And I did a lot of um, emotional intelligence work and kind of went from there and kind of learned how to be a better leader then. I was a really good worker, but I didn't really know mm -hmm. how to lead a good team. So hmm. I had to work a lot on that. That's great. Rod Kornrumpf, um, how did you get to Hartford? Are you, are you, you're not from... I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, okay. uh, Pitt, you know, just north of Pittsburgh, and then my adult life started in Pittsburgh. 
you know, started in the radio news for a while, did some talk show, healthcare talk shows, got into healthcare, public relations, administration, and then went to Minnesota for 12 years. Oh, wow. Got very cold. That's cold. Um, yep, it is. And it was, I think. Oh, you're seen, wearing a tank top today because <laughs> this is nothing. And, right, right, right. And flip-flops, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then all our families back east. So we wanted to get back, get back mm-hmm. east. So here we are. Been here five years at uh, Upper Chess, um, Upper Chesapeake. Has two years at Christiana. Um, so I've been back here seven years. Oh, okay. And you live in Middletown. I do. That's a, that's a, a decent commute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it builds some character. I get to listen to, you know, lots of radio. Okay. Well, that's good. The book's on tape. From the library. <laughs> Absolutely. I do that. I, I, yeah, I do too. I'm the person that downloads the books. I learned how to mm-hmm. figure it out. Mm-hmm. Same here. It's, you know, it's really, it's such a good use of time that you really... You're stuck with right. that time, and mm-hmm. you can't really do anything with it. And sometimes I just can't listen to the radio anymore, to the news. You don't like to, to listen the... to Bob's voice? Well, I'm here with him, so I get it first. So she's sick of it. Yeah, really. I listen to the podcasts over and over and over of our time No, you do together. not. I do not. <laughs> I still... Do you like your voice? No, I hate it. Yeah, I hate mine, too. Every, they say you, you hear your voice. Your voice sounds a lot higher pitched than whiny. Hopefully, than it is when you listen to your own voice. Okay. So, Maryland Upper, University of Maryland Upper Chesapeake Health. Tell us about the organization that's such a vital institution and provider in our community. So, it's a two hospital system with a number of outpatient services. And, uh, you know, the nice thing is in Harford County, it is the only hospital system in the county that gives you a lot of opportunity to do some creative things because you are a community service and you are a community benefit versus Baltimore or DC where you're competing you're competing um, and I hate that word in healthcare unfortunately it's a reality mm-hmm. but we should never be competing f- for health care right because um, really at this point we're competing for sick care um, and trying to make people healthy Versus where I think we're going. But I think that, you know, Upper Chesapeake, you know, largest employer, second largest employer to the county, um, I think does a lot of community benefit, gives back to the community. Um, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a nice collaborative relationship because I think the community gets a lot out of that healthcare system as well. Um, and always trying to evolve, um, trying to move to where the future is and prepare for that and actually lead that in a suburban marketplace. And when did it become a bad word for hospitals? or for that matter, volunteer fire departments, to generate revenue. I mean, that's how they pay their bills. Mm-hmm. Like, volunteer fire departments do a pickup, an EMT pickup, or transportation, they get paid for it. Mm-hmm. Hospitals get paid, otherwise would be paying it, mm-hmm. would be paying a lot of the costs. So. Rightly or wrongly, I think it happened, this is probably the early 90s, um, before Sarah was born. Um, I was born then. <laughs> and... Um, when salaries started coming forward. So uh, again, I was in Western Pennsylvania at that point in Pittsburgh, and there was a CEO of the University of Pittsburgh Medical System. I think it was at that point 25 hospitals, so you know, big, broad reach. And he was making, I want to say, a million dollars a year. And that became public, and everybody was, how in the world can you pay a nonprofit CEO those kind of dollars? Now, at that point, he was running a $1.2 billion company. Sure. Um, but, you know, there was this disconnect in the community around nonprofit, making profit that is not considered profit or not taxable. So I think it just the messages got all confused for a number of years there. 
And so, yeah, you know, no, no margin, no mission. If you, if you don't have a financial margin, you cannot continue the mission of your local community hospital. Yeah, that's just how it is. And it's not cheap. Well, people get bills. You know, they, they, they get bills that they never, you know, a great many people never have to pay. Mm -hmm. uh, it comes as a charge. So let's say I charge you $100 for an aspirin. Those are some of the famous kind of things. Nobody ever pays that. Um, it's always a negotiated thing with an insurance company. Mm -hmm. And it just, the, the system itself has lent itself to miscommunication. It's been very hard to get those transparency to really be transparent enough for people to understand it. And understand why it has to come out that way. I think the system itself, the healthcare system across this country really needs to transform itself into a more user-friendly system that's more accessible, where you understand what services you're getting, where people talk to you like human beings, and you, you really understand what you're paying and why you're paying it and what your value is. The retail sector has done that phenomenally. Right. You know, um, I go to buy something, I understand my value for that. I walk into a hospital and try to understand it. It's just very difficult. So the Klein Family Hartford Crisis Center. Thank you again to the Klein family and Sarah and all of uh, uh, your loved ones for making this possible. Tell us about the Klein Family Hartford Crisis Center, Rod. So this conversation started about three years ago. And some of it is really based on trying to take services out of that hospital setting. So for behavioral health, so we're talking about mental illness, we're talking about substance use, addictions. A lot of people have used the emergency room as their go-to location for those services, those illnesses. And to a large extent, emergency rooms are phenomenal at strokes, heart attacks, compound fractures, you know, life-threatening sort of illnesses or situations. For behavioral health, they are not so good at it. And that's not a condemnation, it's just how they're trained. It's how you know they are geared towards saving lives in immediate danger as opposed to working with somebody who's severely depressed or severely anxious or has a substance use problem but not on the edge of death's door. So often you go into an emergency room with those ailments and you wait because you get usurped by the life-threatening situations. And so you sit there for hours and hours, and you get upset, and you get, you know, why am I here? If we get you back into the emergency room, and again, I say we, but it's the collective we across the country, you know, we take away your belongings. We treat you in some cases almost like a criminal, just by taking everything from you. So we wanted to do something different. We wanted to say, how can we take that need, better meet it in the community, away from the emergency room, where it should be. And so the idea of a crisis center, and uh, you know, there are a number of services within that crisis center, we wanted to create something out in the community that could really benefit that population. In other parts of the country, New Mexico, Arizona, Washington State, crisis centers have been much more mature, probably five, ten years old in some cases, and 80% of the people who used to go to the emergency room now go to these crisis centers for their deeper and behavioral health issues. And that's our goal. It's more appropriate, it's better service, and it's served by professionals who are behavioral health professionals. No right, an emergency room doc is not trained in behavioral health to any great extent. Right. We're using behavioral health professionals, psychiatrists, psychologists, psychiatric nurses, therapists, who really understand that book of business. So we spent you know, a good solid year working with a lot of the community, with the county, uh, community providers, with our board of directors to say, you know, here's what the need is. 
Now let's how you know how do we meet that need? And you know Andy, you know may he rest in peace, came forward and said, "I'm ready to start fundraising for this, and I'll put the first dollar in." And then other board members and the community started rallying around it. Some of that, Bob and Leslie and Sarah, is you know when I used to do talks and go to public meetings and talk about behavioral health, I would say, you know, how many of you know somebody with depression or anxiety? And mm -hmm. it, you know, 20 years ago, one person would raise like a T-Rex arm about you know mm -hmm. a quarter of the way up and be ashamed by doing it. So over the course of time, if I go to speak now, I say, how many people know somebody with COPD with an oxygen tank? Mm -hmm. And everybody raises their hand. And I say, how many of you talk to that person and they're worried about getting that tank filled or the tank running out overnight and them dying? That's anxiety. That leads to depression. That's a behavioral health issue. It has a physical medicine component to it, but it really has a behavioral health affect. Same thing with cancer. I mean, all of our physical medicine, almost all of it, has a strong connection to behavioral health. So again, I think the community, this area in Harford County and the surrounding counties, have really started to realize that this is not a separate from healthcare issue. It is okay. a healthcare issue. And I think that's what, you know, the rallying around this crisis center model really came from a community that said, yeah, we gotta do something different because my brother has depression. My son has, you know, Asperger's. I mean, just mm -hmm. you name the, 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 the array and everybody's got somebody, uh, if not themselves. And all of a sudden, the stigma starts going down dramatically. Yeah, and as we see, and we want to talk about this a little later, so much of it has to do with the stigma mm -hmm. and the shame that we, the, the way we're socialized, we're, we're almost taught to ignore it, to be in denial about it. Cause, and we see it with our, our, our ladies who are suffering from addiction. Mm -hmm. It's not a family failing. It's not a weakness issue. It's not a character issue. It's nothing to be ashamed of, but that's historically how it's been. And it's all. And what that does is delays diagnosis sure. and delays treatment. So to, the more is done for awareness and with something like this, is you know saves lives. And um, the, the, just uh, to to talk about it, the. The website is harfordcrisiscenter.org. It's open 24 hours. Mm -hmm. It's at 802 Baltimore Pike. The phone number is 800-NEXT-STEP. Right. So last October, um, you know, we wanted to roll out a, a, a preamble, if you will, to the whole project. And what we found in Harford County was if you had a behavioral health issue, Okay, I won't even say a crisis, a question. You didn't know where to call. If you called the county, and it's not condemnation of the county, you would get a voicemail if it was any time after 3 o'clock on a Monday through Friday. You would get a voicemail on the weekend. You would get a promise that maybe they would call you back on Monday. Or you would call somebody you know who maybe has a history and say, well, who did you call? And it was this really fractured sort of system. So um, with partnering with the county, we created this 1-800-NEXT-STEP. We have a vendor called Affiliated Sante who runs it, a 24-7 call center, where somebody can call, talk to a behavioral health professional who will really walk them through the process and get them into the system where they should be. Um, so they don't have to worry about looking in a phone book if there is still a phone book, or looking on Google or looking wherever it is, they can just call this number and they will help them maneuver the system. And if it's get an appointment tomorrow, great, they will help make that appointment. If it's hook up with a psychiatrist, 
Perfect. They will help do that. If it is you are in crisis, okay, we can send you, you ought to go to the crisis center right next door to where the call center is. Or maybe it's such a situation where you need to go to the emergency room. Or Affiliated Sante, this vendor, also has a mobile crisis team in Harford County. So if I call for my home, say I'm in crisis, they can send out the mobile crisis team to really assess on site what's going on and then what the next steps are for me. So it, it really is trying to get more person-centered, really make it easier for people to understand how to access service when they need, no matter what they need, around behavioral health. And there's really no bad reason to call. Nope. There's nothing. Got a question? Call. No one's going to be reprimanded for calling. They're just going to be given some direction. Right. And even, and even you know, that call center now gets calls around, I can't get in my housing voucher. It has arguably has nothing to do around behavioral health specifically, but it is a social issue that is still have a, you know, we have a gap in our system, and so they will help try to find housing. Um, so it really is trying to get to that, what are the issues that keep people from getting the services they need globally, because a lot of these folks, as you said earlier, Bob, have been disenfranchised. They've been and, left and, out in the cold to some extent. And they're triggered by these stressors, mm-hmm. which often can have a big causal effect on their, their anxiety, their mental health, their current state of mind. And by the way, Andy's not resting. He's working on something <laughs> yeah, right, right, right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> good point. Good point. I'd taken. be shocked point if taken. he was resting. Yep, yep. He's got a few balls in the air yeah. like he always did. <laughs> and probably pushing us all harder and harder. So, yep. And again, speaking of Andy and the Kleins, so you start planning this and you need, obviously you need a decent amount of starting capital mm-hmm. and, and capital budget uh, money, et cetera. So tell, tell us how that progressed. Sarah from your end and Rod from Upper Chesapeake's end. You want me to go first? Sure. My dad was coming, he was going to a retreat, I think, for the hospital on the Eastern Shore, and he was driving down with Ken Ferreira, who runs the foundation, and Ken said the whole time, all he did was talk about this. And that he needed, we needed to do something, and we had to do something now. And then Sarah Cantoris drove him home, and she said all he could do was talk about that, too. So it was a constant, I think Lyle said it, like chatter, chirping. You know, he wouldn't drop it, and it was a consistent push, push, push. And I don't know why he found it, like, my dad always liked a project. He always wanted a project to work on. And I don't know why this was something, I mean, the county definitely needed it. And he just kind of took it and went with it. Mm-hmm. And he kind of got some other people on board with it and just kept chirping in the hospital's ear about it. He never gave up on it. And that's kind of how it came to be. And, and we made we made fun earlier about the grocery stores being sort of a microcosm of highways. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. chuckle, chuckle. But I think Andy also saw that the stores were a microcosm <laughs> of society, right? Because everybody comes through there. Absolutely. And you see not just with the people who come through to buy things, but with the staff. Um, you know, you were getting turnover because people were having to leave with depression or anxiety or substance use kind of issues. So he was seeing, I think, all of that swirl within those four walls. And it was also at the time that the opioid crisis hit, right? And so we're on this 95 corridor that was, you know, sort of 
ground zero for the opioid crisis, especially the opioids coming up from Florida, um, dropped off all on 95. And so we were getting hit with that very dramatically and well before most of the rest of the country. And his initial thought was, we need to do something about opioids. What should we do? <clears throat> Came to us and we talked about this crisis center with a slight variation on theme. Opioids, the opioid crisis will change and it will it will lessen dramatically over the next number of years. Some other substance of choice will pop up, but opioids, opioids will sort of lessen. Mental health issues will be with us probably forever. They will change too, medications will change. So we wanted to make it a, a cohesive product, not just an opioid response, but a behavioral health mental illness and substance use response. And, and he bought right into it. And so I think, Sarah, you're absolutely right. Um, he's been, he had been chirping. We had a model sitting out there that we could try. And I think everything just came together um, based on timing, based on opportunity, based on need, um, and based on Harford County being very big thinkers across the county around, we need to do something different than we've always done mm -hmm. to do something better for this community. And, and I mean, to, to both your points, and Sarah, you mentioned, you know, this was something that, you know, got him, uh, uh, you know, captured Andy. This whole thing is about empathy, because it's easy for us to otherize people and dehumanize them if they're suffering from things that, uh, like this, and, and I, I've told you and your mom this. Andy was back in March at that thing in Habitat Grace, mm -hmm. the family and women and family mm -hmm. event, which oh, declines. Yeah. Or Shar Hope is a foundation that I'm on, on the board of. I'm very involved with it, and uh, we have a house for women in, who are being pretty treated for the diseases of addiction. The land that we use is a Klein family farm that Andy and Ralph bought back in '81, and They've been very generous to us. And just that day, Andy said, hi, Bob, how are the girls? He didn't say, how's Sharhope mm -hmm. mm -hmm. or how's the project? Mm -hmm. He said, how are the girls? <clears throat> and that's, I remember saying to my wife, I said, you know, that's how he asked it. That's not an accident. It's humanized. Um, yep. How are the girls? So, and just uh, thanks to Andy and your your aunts and uncles and your dad and mom and your your generation, Sarah, and the whole team at Klein's. It's really, uh, you know, we say thank you a lot, but to really just grasp it as what it means. It's not only feeling it, but it's following through on it and having the ability to help get involved and help execute it, too, which is often the hardest thing. And to really understand the needs of a community. You know, I think the, the Klein family has done that I'm not, I don't live here, I'm not from here, but has done that better than anybody I have seen in this marketplace about saying, what does this community need and how can we help that? It, it really started, my dad was a type 1 diabetic as a child and my grandmother said we shouldn't have to drive to Baltimore to get good health care. Mm -hmm. And she was really a pioneer behind getting the hospital to where it is now and that, I think my dad just took that from right. her, but I mean... That's how they always thought. They always thought, you know, if you're going to live in Harford County, you should have the best grocery store, you should have the best health care, mm -hmm. you should have mm -hmm. everything you need, and you shouldn't need to drive to Baltimore to get what mm -hmm. you, you know, need. And 
I think that's what they, my my dad and my grandmother really believed. They, and that's why they were fought so strongly for anything. They were the most passionate people about it. They wanted something. They was going to get done uh -huh. some one way or another. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. What was the line? How do you make God happy every oh, day? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to make God happy every day. Cause, and that he did. And But it was really that they were very ingrained in the county. Mm -hmm. This is where my dad grew up. You know, my grandfather kind of grew up here, but it was where they lived. Family. Yeah, and yeah. they wanted Harford County to have everything that any other county should have. And they saw a problem, and, you know, That's even awesome. the hospital or the crisis center, they kind of went and did it. I'm going to circle back if I can. Um, the crisis center, we keep giving it that title. I'll walk really quickly through what the services are there. I talked about this 1-800-NEXT-STEP number, mobile crisis teams based there. We have an outpatient clinic there, and those are therapists and a psychiatrist who really almost like a community therapy office. The difference is we try to be a bridge program so that if mobile crisis, for example, finds somebody who needs an outpatient appointment, we can do that for them next day. Then we try to find them a community long-term therapist. We don't try to hold on to them. We don't want to take that business from community providers. Okay. But if they can't get to their community provider for a month, two months, six months, we want to be that bridge to keep them successful in the community. Then we have this 24-7 walk-in program. We call it urgent care, almost like physical urgent care. You know, you don't go to the emergency room, come here, and you know we can do this differently than the ED. Mm -hmm. yep. So that what we tried to do was say, come here first, let us figure out how we can help. If you need to go to the emergency room from here, okay, we can do that for you because we're proximate and we're part of the Upper Chesapeake system. But let's avoid the emergency room if we can because we think we can find your issues and work with you better than the emergency room can. So this walk-in program really is anybody can walk in with any sort of behavioral health issue. It doesn't have to be a crisis. They don't have to be have just overdosed. They don't have to. It could be just onset of early depression. They don't know who to talk to. They want to talk to somebody. We can help them with that. And then we created eight beds of residential. So if somebody does come in and we need to spend more time with them than just three hours or 24 hours, we can get them in a residential bed and really work to stabilize them for three, five, ten days. The idea here again is to get people stabilized Get them on a path to success so when they leave, when they go back to the community, they are stable in the community. And we're not creating this revolving door that says, oh, I just have to go back to the emergency room. I just have to go back to the emergency room. That's, that, we are not serving our population when we make people do that. And so the goal here is to really get to health care as opposed to sick care. They will come to us sick, let us get you healthy and try to keep you healthy. In Maryland, I think you know everybody knows that Maryland's a funky state in terms of how healthcare works here. So what we're trying to do across Maryland is go to they call it a total cost of care, which is you know a lot of you know, industry jargon, but really is how do we keep our local communities healthy? Well, let's get away from this sick care model. Let's get away from the emergency room and the hospital being the end all and be all. And the crazy thing is we've trained everybody for a hundred years to do that. Yes. If you don't know what yep. to do, go to the emergency room. Yep. Now we're saying ah, put the brakes on. Let's try something different. If you have a sinus infection, go to urgent care. You know, so we're trying to get people now out of the emergency room and the hospital for a number of services because it's better for them. And so this is an idea that if, again, if you, know, you don't know what to do, you can call this 1-800-NEXT-STEP or you can walk in and we'll walk you through the process. So can I ask a question about if you have a family member mm -hmm. who you're seeing um, that they need help, can you also call the 1-800? Sure. 
Okay. Yeah. So like you're offering services for family we members. Had, my <clears throat> mom had taken somebody in our family and my mom said she went in, she didn't want to say who she was, right. but you know, she goes, I, the care that our family member got, she goes, it was amazing. Good. Saw, um, psychiatrist, therapist, like walked out with everything. <clears throat> and my mom said while she was there, people w had walked in who were previously there and brought the, um, nurses flowers and just like oh, thank wow. you and i've gotten facebook messages from people that they've taken family members there and wow. the care has just been wonderful and mm -hmm. they've helped so much so it's good to hear that because you is. always hear the negative mm -hmm. things but mm -hmm. to hear the positive and to see it actually is mm -hmm. really something wow. cool. yeah and i think as a family member struggling with that you need help because you right. don't know what right. to do so and, and often, you know, especially when you talk about kids, for example. So sure. you get to the child and adolescent group, and, you know, many times you have a broken family that has created a broken child, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, those terms are a little harsh. But, um, you know, we can stabilize the kid. We can treat the kid. But if we if they return to a broken family without having really worked with the family, mm -hmm. um, created family therapy, created group therapy that brings the kid and the family together to work through this, you just, you know, create a repeating cycle. So, you know, I think all of this is geared toward how do we get to an integrated, that there is no, we only treat kids for this. We only, you know, it's really right. how do we treat the whole person um, to make them better long term? Because if a kid is sick early, now we have an adult that will be, you know, they will become a sick sure. adult. Absolutely. Um, so how do we go much further upstream and really create um, a system that treats everybody at every age group and now creates a continuum to keep them healthy. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a really cool time to be in healthcare, especially in Maryland, because we are in, we are really working towards this population health, keeping people healthy, mm -hmm. as opposed to waiting for them to get sick. Um, you see it with healthy Harford, healthy Cecil. Yep. You know, that's yep. really geared toward, you know, what are the healthcare needs of this community? So obesity, smoking, behavioral mm -hmm. health. Um, how can we drive a train that says, let's work on the obesity problem because it opens up so many healthcare issues that become sick care. Um, can we can we really work to drive down that obesity problem? Especially in children. Sure. Yes. Yep. Like Barry Klein always says, drink water. <laughs> drink water. She says that to you because you don't drink water. Right, right, right. Why do my toes cramp? You're not hydrated. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> and we all grew up. You know, those of us of a, of a certain age all grew up with, you just we, we didn't grow up drinking water. Like it was a thing. If we right? did, it was from the creek. Well, right. <laughs> you know. Uh, which like... was actually purified in many ways. <laughs> but, you know, we would go to football practice and be given salt pills to under this odd situation. That's we thought bizarre. that was helping break the cramps down and it was really just dehydrating you even more and we had people dying and we didn't understand why now that was the model of of the age right and i've then, had coaches tell me go to the sideline stick your finger down your throat if you feel queasy out there yeah, in the 80 and, and get, 98 degrees. and get back out here <laughs> get back out here no water for you. so we've come we've come quantum distance forward to understanding what you know, what we need to do with our bodies to keep ourselves healthy but that message doesn't get through to everybody or it can't get through to some people and so we really need to work better at that education component and giving them the tools to create a healthier community but we can't do it alone right it's a partnership mm -hmm. and it, it takes no, and everybody in the community to buy in and, and we and have support. to be your partners in in using this crisis center and helping get the word out on uh, this amazing resource and speaking of the amazing resource, I have no idea how to ask this question, so I'll let you decide how to answer it. But two, two things. There's a lot of, first of all, 
See, I had no idea to ask it. First of all, what did, what did you, okay. what, there's, it's two parts. What did you learn? What are the, there was challenges that you knew you were going to have. Then there were challenges you didn't know you were going to have. There was demands that you thought you would have for services. And then there's, you learned in practice some other demands that maybe surprised you. The second half of that is, uh, oh, this is a biggie. <laughs> oh, I gotta, God, you're I gotta write notes now. <laughs> uh, second half is so the bad. challenge for, for the, the voluntary part. So much okay. of what we see is the result of folks that really have a need, but it's got to be voluntary to do this. Civil liberties and other mm-hmm. issues that often people, unless they're really willing to seek the treatment, they may not get it. Okay, Answer I can, away. so on, speak on, away. Let me, let me, on the first on the first side. So, what did we expect? We expected it would take two years or so to change the culture in Harford County to not go to the emergency room. In most most states, that's where we've seen on the physical urgent care. If if we create urgent cares out in the community as opposed to physical urgent cares, it takes about two years for people to say, "Oh, I can go there and only wait a half hour as opposed to three and a half hours." But it takes a few years to change that culture because we've trained everybody that way. So we knew that would take a while on the behavioral health side as well, and we are seeing some of that. Things that sort of surprise me. So we use the phrase crisis center because in other states that captured it. What I think we did wrong there was not everybody thinks they are in crisis. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm blue, I'm depressed, I'm anxious. That's not a crisis. And so I think we sent a message out, only come to us if you are in crisis. So I think we need to soften that language. We used urgent care, which we thought would parallel with the physical urgent care, and everybody would understand that. But again, in this market, urgent care is still relatively new. So what we will start seeing is more of our marketing, more of our messaging around 24-7 walk-in access, 24-7 access to mental health issues or substance use issues as opposed to behavioral health because not a lot of people understand behavioral health. So we got a little high and mighty with some of the language because that's kind of the national trend. So we need to soften that language and really keep it simple stupid, me being the stupid one here. Ah. So I think you know that's some of what we thought and some of what we learned. I think the other thing that we sort of expected to be swamped on day one because we never had any outpatient services for Upper Chesapeake on the western side of the county. So you open something brand new, and I got to tell you, I woke up in a cold sweat about one o'clock in the morning the day we were opening, thinking I was going to pull up there and see 45 people just waiting to get in the doors. Mm -hmm. We saw one. Okay. And some of it is, I think, just this education. We hadn't changed the culture. We hadn't really mm-hmm. given people the knowledge that this was really available and pertinent to them. So we're getting there. We've served about 1,000 people now since we opened that urgent care in June. The residential, were a little over 100. Our outpatient practice is a little over 1,200. So, you know, and it is ramping up pretty consistently. What has been interesting is on that, in the crisis center, in urgent care, of the 1,000 people we've seen, about two-thirds of those are people that we have not seen in Upper Chesapeake for at least the last two years. So what that tells me, I think, is some people never wanted to go to the emergency yep. room, avoided it like the plague. They don't want to park there. They don't want to be treated like a lesser than um, and have avoided it. And so once we open that, make it easy to access, treat them humanly, um, treat them like they are um, 
a healthcare issue, not a stigmatized behavioral healthcare issue, um, that we're seeing people now coming out of the woodwork. We, we even call it a woodwork effect. You build it, they will come, hmm. and it's people that you didn't see before. Um, so I think that's that it, that has happened, and that's a good thing because it's a you know it's a thousand people that have not gone to the emergency Absolutely. room. Absolutely. Um, and then the second part of that is voluntary versus involuntary, um, and just for people to understand, you know, there are cases where you put a legal document together that says you are being forced into treatment um, against your will because you are not capable of making a decision for your own benefit. It's called an involuntary commitment, uh, emergency petition, there's all kinds of language around it. What we're now advocating for is that like a crisis center. So right now in Maryland law you have to go to an emergency room if you are involuntary. I think think a lot of us think that we could do that at the crisis center. So in this next legislative session, I think we'll see legislation come forward to look at alternative sites to the emergency room for involuntary admissions. What that should do is then open the door that we can use a crisis center as opposed to an emergency room. What that then should do, what that should do then, is that people will stop using the involuntary legal documents because they can get service that's necessary to them much easier. They don't have to go through this process. Family doesn't have to go through a process to put somebody in a legal framework. There will be still some, but in other parts of the country where this has happened, you see these involuntary commitments drop dramatically with alternative sites. So Hmm. I think that's what we'll start seeing, certainly in this market, but I think we'll start seeing it across the state. Did that answer? Yes. Okay. No, very much. Way more than I expected. And you got a hell of a lot more out of the answer than I gave you in the question. <laughs> well, it, 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 it is, uh, you know, I, I, I'm in this and I'm here because I really am excited by this. To do something for a population that has been underserved for the history of healthcare. Um, and even more so, you know, 20 years ago, it was still underserved. Mm-hmm. Um, it is really cool. It is really special to be part of a program, a project a community that wants to do this for their community. Um, healthcare needs to be different. And at least from a behavioral health standpoint, I think we are moving towards a difference-making situation. Um, and that makes it better for the people that we serve, which makes it better for the community, which makes it better for the state and the country, and um, we will all be better for it. And that's a pretty cool place to be. Not everybody gets that chance in their career. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. What can we do, Sarah and Rod? Uh, as citizens, as community leaders, as influencers to whatever extent that exists, community members, to help this services and center success and its impact. So I, th- I think there's uh, some of it's already underway. Uh, so from a marketing standpoint, so clients, for example, um, I think we're doing inserts in grocery bags. I think we're creating grocery bags that have the 1-800 number on the outside. There's a number of things going on to really put that awareness in front of the general public. Because not everybody has a behavioral health mm-hmm. situation. But they know somebody who does. And so if they can say call 1-800 next step or go to 802 Baltimore Pike, Perfect. Wonderful. Let us sort it out. Um, so I think that marketing awareness and with clients so strongly behind this whole pro- program, you know, thousands of people will have access to that information when they need it. Even if they don't need it when they walk out with their watermelon, mm-hmm. they may need it six months from now. And hopefully that sort of stuff resonates. And I think it is that just general, we all need to drive down the stigma. We all need to Absolutely. 
not hide behind a wall to say, ooh, he has this, she has that. Mm -hmm. It is a healthcare issue. It is not a human failing. It is a disease, um, whether it's substance use or mental illness, and we need to treat it as such and talk about it as such. And so, you know, part of what we're trying to do is not just have that service available, that's obviously important, but it's also making that awareness out there so that people know they don't have to suffer alone or suffer in their house afraid to go somewhere. Um, we can make it easy for them. We can really make it human for them. Um, and I think that's what we all can do. That's what you know, mm-hmm. we talk about all the time. How do we get this message out? How do we make sure people know that they can call a simple number, walk into a simple place, and be treated <clears throat> simply with you know, high skills, mm-hmm. appropriate skills? Right, corner, and if you want to donate, off. you know, if you want to donate, you how call. do we donate? <laughs> how do we donate? We call, so, we call Ferrara up call, or what? Call Ken Ferraro and say, "Here's my checkbook. Just have at it, buddy." <laughs> um, so the Health Foundation, um, the county, we're always sort of looking at fundraising opportunities. We'll be doing more of that, I think, as you know, we get to sort of that year anniversary. But really, you know, and I'll get on the soapbox just for thirty seconds. Most of the services that we provide, not everybody pays for. Not every insurance company pays for okay. it. We knew that going in. We knew that was going to take a year or two to get the Blue Crosses of the world, the Uniteds of the world, the Etnas right. of the world to jump into this game. And we're in the process of that. Um, but, you know, short of that, there are shortfalls. And so we're always looking for ways to prop up the, the dollar part of it to make this a sustainable model. I can get a grant for one year that might keep it open. Grants go away. And so we want to make sure it's sustainable, not just for us, but for whoever else does this in the state. So we need to get the payers involved. We need to get, you know, the state and the feds involved to pay for services that they have historically not paid for, but also create great value for them. And the reality is it's a lot cheaper to be in our crisis center than it is an emergency room. And folks, there's nothing wrong with professionals who spend a lot of time going to school (laughs) and learning to make a decent salary. There's nothing wrong with that. Because otherwise, you don't have the best and the brightest doing it. It's just it's very simple. So, and it's not it's not a bad word for money to be paid to healthcare providers because it's one of the most damn expensive things out there to manufacture. So, uh, Sarah Klein and Rod Cormer, thanks so much. Rod's the regional executive director for behavioral health at uh, U of M Upper Chesapeake Health. The Hartford Klein Family Hartford Crisis Center is 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Call. If you don't think whether you should call or not, that's your answer. Call. Mm-hmm. Yep. HartfordCrisisCenter.org. You listen to WAMD 970. And we have a little bit of time left. Talk about the library. Talk about another great institution in our midst. Midst. Our midst. Midst. Yes, well, today is a half day at um, Harvard County Public Schools, and we have a ton of awesome events for kids to do from noon up until 4 o'clock this afternoon. So if you go to hcplonline.org, there's a list. We have Falston Library is involved, Aberdeen, Norrisville, Jarrettsville, Abingdon, Whiteford, and Edgewood are all doing special programs for the half day of school today. Uh, tomorrow, December 14th at our Joppa Library from 2 to 3 p.m., the Upper Falls Dance Company will be there, and they're going to present Was the Night Before Christmas. So um, that'll be a great time. It's open for um, all ages, and again, it's from 2 to 3 at the Joppa Library. And then next Thursday, December 19th, 
is a very special time at Edgewood. They are doing Movie Madness Christmas Edition, and that's grades 6 through 12, and they are going to watch the movie Dr. Zeus the Grinch. So put that on your calendar, one of my favorite movies. Yep. That's from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at our Edgewood Library. Unbelievable. Oh, my gosh. And we had a fabulous event this past Saturday, December 7th. Sarah was there. It was our foundation Christmas tea with Santa and friends. And it was fabulous. Um, if you guys read the Aegis, we got a lot of coverage yesterday. Matt Button, who is wonderful in supporting a lot of the library and other organizations across Hartford County events, took some fabulous pictures. And it was just a great, great time. It was a really nice time. We had an ice skating rink in the library. We had... Naturally. Santa. I know. We had Santa and Mrs. Claus. And Buttons the Reindeer. And Buttons the Reindeer. <laughs> Thank you, Kathy Schmidt. I don't think Buttons could have gotten any cuter, but put oh some gosh, antlers on them. Oh, pretty cute. Buttons is adorable. I want, like, a horse in my I, house I now, right? One. I told her. I said, oh, I might steal Buttons. Yeah. He is. Have you met Buttons? No, I haven't. Oh, I know. Oh I gotta. I gotta find an opportunity here. Oh yeah. Well, Kathy will bring him to your office. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if she's listening. She doesn't. She doesn't need. Don't a, say that much excuse. Okay. <laughs> we had her on the show. She's from your neck of the woods, actually. She went to IUP. Okay. Went to school. Mm -hmm. I went there for two years. Oh, did you? Okay. And we bonded on that. Yep. And how long has Slippery Rock been in Pennsylvania? I always thought it was in Arkansas. Oh, it's been there forever. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it started. I they in the, moved it on me like last week. No, no, there's a couple different slippery rocks actually. I think. Um, <laughs> I do believe there are a couple okay. slippery rocks. But it, it slippery rock got famous for a while because University of Michigan and their you know hundred thousand seat stadium would announce the slippery rock football score and everybody would rave. You know, so then slippery rock ended up playing in Michigan Stadium some number of years ago. Oh and my it was, gosh, it was a that's big fun. thing. And yeah, it's a small state college. Uh -huh. uh, you know, decent. I'm familiar with it. I grew up in Pennsylvania, so other side of the state. But a lot okay. of kids from my school went to Slippery yeah. Rock. We have 30 seconds. We're going to do um, <gasps> dun, dun, dun. a quick medley of tweets from our two favorite people. Okay. I need that today. Uh, this, is for, this woman is our favorite tweeter. These are normal people that just tweet funny things. Mm -hmm. um, she says, am I the most attractive woman out there? Of course not. But do I have a good personality? Well, no. But do I wake up every day and try to be the best person I can be? Also no. <laughs> Never ask a man if he is single. Instead, ask him, is anyone under the impression that they are in a relationship with you? <laughs> Maybe I'll use that. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. That's a good one, actually. That's pretty good. You say stalker. I say excellent research skills. Also, your dryer cycle just buzzed. <laughs> Me. You got to learn to love yourself. Friend. Don't you hate yourself? Yeah, but it's about you. Stay focused. <laughs> That's a good one. And the CVS cashier asked me how I'm doing as I put some diarrhea medicine on the counter. <laughs> I said, not great, man. I got diarrhea. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, and lastly, Friday. me. Nice. This is from our friend. Okay. Uh, uh, she says, me. Nice biker jacket. You ride? Him. No. Me. So you're a liar. Him, silence. Me, silence. Him, nice yoga pants. <laughs> Me, that chick jacket looks awesome on you. <laughs> boo. All righty. She is hilarious, and she's a great way to end the show. Um, that's all the time we have for Harford Edge today. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you, Rod and Sarah, for coming in Thank today. Thank you for having us. Again. Again.